0: Brother Sam Pope has a special this morning.
1: the play. Just reach out and claim it For you are standing on holy ground We are standing on holy ground
0: Thank you brother Sam and uh, I tell you what this is one of my all-time favorite songs the I pray that we are standing on holy ground this morning and by that you know that holy ground could be even in your your own vehicle and that is just a place that you choose to set aside to say I'm going to Give this time, this moment to God. You can pull over and you can pray to the Lord. You can pull over and you can worship the Lord. You can worship the Lord while traveling down the road. But it's singing praises to Him. Worship has to do with recognizing Him for who He is. Recognizing God and then giving Him. Get this. Uh, it comes from a word, uh, worth Skype, which means to give worth or to give Uh, uh, worthiness to something. You could give worth to a furniture. And you could worship furniture if you wanted to. But to give worth and worthiness to God. To fall down prostrate. To fall down before. Uh, to bow down before. You can, so what do you worship? What do you bow down before? What do you give worth to this morning? That is the question that comes before us. Many, of course, are going through difficulties. We heard all the prayer requests, a lot of, uh, uh physical prayer requests that, uh, have to do with our physical lives, uh, those <clears throat> praying for those that are dealing with cancer, sickness, illness, loss of loved one, uh, but also, of course, uh, pray for Aurora, Colorado. And the victims and families in Colorado, not too far from Columbine, uh, Colorado, uh, and of course even the the perpetrator, uh, uh, pray for him, lift him up in prayer that somehow God would intervene in his life and in his heart. The demonic forces of this world are strong. They, what you listen to, what you allow into your life, what do you allow to influence you in your life. A saved person, I do not believe, can be uh, indwelt or possessed by a demonic spirit, but we can be influenced. We can be influenced by demonic spirits, uh, temptations from outside of our flesh. Outside of our spirit. Now we're, uh, most of us say, well, the devil's after me, and, and I understand the saying, but most of us just struggle with our flesh. I mean, that's what we struggle with. We, our flesh wants to, our flesh is selfish. Our flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And, uh, so most of us just struggle with that. And we can be tempted by all kinds of ways and things to do wrong, uh, to, to others, to ourselves. And uh so pray that we would listen to God and his word this morning. Of course, speaking of his word, I want to read a couple of verses. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of his word. If you have your Bible open already, it should be there to Second Kings chapter seven. Uh if you're not there, I'll just give you a second there to find it. It's not uh, it's a pretty big book in the Old Testament. Most of you probably Have it marked? 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. <clears throat> then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God. And said behold if the Lord would make the windows in heaven. Might this thing be? And he said behold thou shalt see it. With thine eyes. But shall not eat thereof. Let's pray. Father please bless the reading of your word this morning may your holy spirit move in our services and may you just please be with all of the prayer requests that have been mentioned this morning in Jesus name amen you may be seated thank you for standing listening reading along with me if you uh, have a bulletin you can i mean it's pretty self-explanatory a lot of the things that will be Looking at this morning. Now, the last—I uh, I really enjoyed preaching last Sunday morning. I'm, I'm really going to enjoy this morning also. But some of these passages I've never preached on that I can recall. This is a unique series for for me. I've never preached on Elisha or Elijah and Elisha, prophets of the Most High God. This is the 15th sermon. In this series, we've had other things that have come in between some of the lessons or messages, but, uh, you know, Easter and Mother's Day and Father's Day, different things like that, Graduation Sunday, uh, those are what I call specialty messages that happen along. You know, last Sunday, we looked at the fact about the fiery chariots. Remember that? It was just great, Uh it's pretty neat how, to me, how Elisha's or yes, his his associate pastor, if you will, you know, got up for morning coffee and walked outside, and this was in Dothan, and he saw the armies of the uh, uh, Syrian army and the, basically the Green Beret force that went down there to take him out, and of course, huh, he freaked out. He was just beside himself, and of course, Elisha walks out and says, uh, well, psh, uh, that's nothing. Uh, he's freaking, hey, calm down, listen. There's more people on our side than is on their side. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And of course, then he looked up again and he saw all of the flaming chariots of fire and all that that's happening in chapter six. Now we're gonna, we're gonna pick up the story, even though I read the two verses out of second Kings seven. We're gonna pick up the story in, uh, in back at the end of chapter 6, and actually begins in chapter 6, verse 25. And that's where this kind of story begins. Because what happened, you remember this? Elisha acted like Jesus. He returned good for evil. In other words, these people were out to assassinate him, to kill him, and he feeds them Golden Corral, Ryan Steakhouse. Remember, he's real nice. And then he says, send them. he said, you know, the, uh, King of Israel there in Samaria. Samaria is the capital. And he says, well, you want me to take them out? And he says, no, I'll feed them and then send them back home. Well, there's a period of time that passes. right? Especially if you look at verse 24, it says send them back home. So they went back home. And a matter of fact, it says they didn't send any more bands or basically a platoon of men down to Israel anymore. But there's a period of time unknown to us that occurs between verse 24 and verse 25. And then uh what happens is uh, the king of Syria uh, says, "You know what? It's time to uh uh get after it." And uh what if you back up to verse well verse 20 and uh Yeah. Yep, verse 24. There we go. And it came to pass after this. That's, that's where I'm at. Verse 24. Between verse 23 and 24. Missed it by one verse. And, uh, so, Benadad, king of Syria, and all his host went up and besieged Samaria. Now, let me set this up. And if, in my Bible, if you look at verse 29, there's a scripture given that you don't have to turn there, but in Leviticus chapter 26, In Deuteronomy chapter 28, it talks about God allowing the enemies of Israel to come upon them and siege them, and it would cause them to turn into cannibals. Now, that's something a lot of people don't realize in the Bible, but it has happened that people would be besieged by an enemy army and man they're they're thinking there's everything's going wrong so what I'm going to do is is we're going to pick the story up here in chapter 6 verse 24 all the way through the end of the chapter and here's the story here's basically I'm going to set it up for you then you read it you see if it's in there it's in there and um, what happens is is after that period of time Benadad leads the army down there they surround Samaria Basically, when they, they cut off all their food supply, everybody's drinking water out of their, uh, septic tank. I mean, they're running out of water, they're running out of food, uh, they're, I mean, they're eating animal heads, they start eating each other, and, uh, they, and matter of fact, this, the king's all upset, everybody starts turning on each other. Everything's falling apart. The whole point of this message this morning is when you're overwhelmed in life. Now, I've never been overwhelmed like this. But folks, when you're overwhelmed, you're surrounded, you have choices. Did you know even when bad things happen to you, you don't have to be unchristlike? Even when the world overwhelms you, you can choose to react godly Are ungodly. But here we're going to see some people that were overwhelmed. They're desperate. I've never been this desperate before. But they're desperate, and they start fighting. And even the king, who I believe believes in God, and believes in Elisha, turns on God, blames God for his problems, and then says, I'm going to kill the preacher. Then he has a quick change of mind. So let's look at it. I mean, matter of fact, if you have your bulletin, it says being overwhelmed leads to what? Defeated sarcasm, negativity, desperate solutions, prayers that seem to go unanswered, blaming others, infighting, and even blaming God. You ready to read them? Okay, let's read them together. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 24. And it came to pass after this that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver. And the fourth part of a cab of dung's dove's dung was five pieces of silver. And most of the time they would use that for a light source in different things. So fuel... And food was scarce. And it's going for basically this. You would say, we're going down to jades and a pound of chicken is $250 a pound. And string beans is $50 a can. Y'all think jades may be a little bit higher than Walmart right now? <laughs> Wait till we get surrounded by a Sumerian army. Or excuse me, a Syrian army and that's basically that would be the equivalent okay pound of chicken 250 bucks a can of string beans 50 bucks i mean that's basically would put it in our terminology okay and i don't i couldn't afford too many cans of string beans and i just don't know if i'd buy that chicken okay if it was you know the chicken head would probably be Well, i could get it on sale for 75 dollars not a whole lot of meat on the chicken head last time i looked but that's the same way and so the king's all upset. Notice here. The king, that's the desperate solutions. The king's all upset in verse 26. He starts walking around the wall. So apparently Samaria had an awesome wall. Because guess where the Syrian army is? They're just starving them out, waiting on the outside. And so he's up on the wall, walking around. And, uh, he runs across this woman, and this woman cries out in verse 27. And he said, well, she cries out in verse 26 and said, Hey, King, why can't you, why aren't you doing anything? And guess what? In verse 27, have you ever, hey, listen, and I know some of us are just as guilty. Has somebody ever asked you a question, but the question to you is so obviously such a stupid question that you just said something right back to them and you were loaded with sarcasm. You were just loaded with sarcasm when you answered them. If somebody ever asked you one of those, Stupid questions. I know we're not supposed to use the S word in our house, but you know. But that's what it was. And it says, "Well, you want me to run down to the barn or open up the wine press?" Basically, this. Well, lady, what do you want me to do? Run to Walmart Supercenter and get you some food? Not happening right now. That's. I mean, he got really smart, Alec. He says it right there. You can look. It's right there. You know, go down the barn. There's a bunch of meat hanging up there. Oh, look, at the wine press. There's plenty of wine for everybody. But he was being sarcastic. Folks, when you're overwhelmed, you get testy. When you're overwhelmed, you get sarcasm and you get all kinds of things that it's all right there. Negative. And then he asked in verse 28, well, what's wrong with you? And the woman said, well, me and this other woman, uh, was talking and were starving to death and she said if we'll boil and cook your son today we'll boil and cook my son tomorrow now, they're probably talking about infants here but that's what it had gotten to it's right there in the Bible you can read it it's right there as a matter of fact God predicted back in Deuteronomy and Leviticus that he would allow this to happen but they're starving they're desperate so guess what the woman who was approached, they did boil and eat her son. But the woman who said, we'll do my son tomorrow, went and hid her son. So she, the folks, this is desperate. You see what I mean? It's right here in the Bible. A lot of people don't know this in here. but it's right, They're desperate. Desperate times. But folks, what did I just tell you? Just because you're desperate doesn't mean you can stop being a Christian. Matter of fact, guess what happens to the king? When he hears it, his heart is so broken, his heart is so broken, he starts ripping his clothes, which is a sign of repentance. And he says, well, God, why are you letting this happen? And the only representative of God in the town was Elisha. And so he says, it must be God's fault, and I'm going to kill Elisha because it's apparently God doesn't care. Folks, When you get desperate, sometimes it seems like your prayer life is going unanswered. It seems like God's not listening. But the thing is, God's waiting. He's waiting for people to drop to their knees. He's waiting for people to finally become... Because, folks, you become desperate and you're seeking your own solutions, but God wants you to seek His solutions. that's where they had not got to yet. And so guess what the king does? He says, I'm 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 since God you're not answering, I'm gonna kill Elisha, your man, and so he sends a fellow to kill Elisha. And I think as that king dropped down, it's really he's not prayer, he's desperate, and he know he says, You know what? Maybe that's a bad idea. And he starts chasing down the fellow that's gonna kill Elisha. Well, of course, Elisha's sitting at home, and the elders of the city are in the in the room with him. And he says, he just knew, got who told him, God did, that the bad guys are coming to kill him. He said, hold the door up because the boss is right behind the messenger. He changed his mind. Well, let's pick the story up. And uh, he says, uh, verse thirty-one, I'm going to kill Elisha the son of Shaphat. And Elisha, sitting in his house with the elders and the king, had sent a man before him, but ere the messenger came to him, and he said to the elders, See ye how this son of murder has sent to take away my head? Look, and when the messenger cometh, shut the door, hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet right behind him? talking about the king. And while he yet talked with him, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. Why? Or what should I wait for the Lord any longer? Now remember, there's no chapters and verses in the Bible when it was originally written. That's just there so we can look stuff up. But so you just continue the story down through chapter 7? Then Elisha, so basically this. Now here's the scene. As we look, you know, what we need to realize. So basically, what did I paint a picture of? Or God's Word did it. I just went along with it, looking at it. It's real easy to see. What is the end of chapter 6? It's bad. I mean, when you're infighting, blaming, you're even blaming God. I mean, think about it. He says, why should I wait for God any longer? The end of chapter 6 is horrible. Horrible. So basically, here's the scene. Now, the leader, Elisha, and the elders, and uh, the president of the country, if you will... Is the, the king of Israel is there, his right hand man, let's say the secretary of state is there, you know, one of his main helpers. So the secretary of state's there, and this is what happens. And I've read this, this is what we stood up to read. You know what? Elisha says, tomorrow, chicken's going down to five dollars a pound. And string beans are going down to a dollar a can. The secretary of state, now, it says it this way in the King James Bible, uh, the Lord and whose king the hand laid the hand of his right hand man. His right hand man. He, basically this. God's man spoke up with, and he says, notice what he says. He didn't say my opinion. When Elisha spoke up, what did he say? What did Elisha say? Thus saith the Lord, the Word of God. Folks, when God's Word speaks, we should pay attention. When God's Word is spoken, we should listen to it. But the Secretary of State, the king's right-hand man, was listening to it. He said, tomorrow, instead of everybody starving, the grocery store is going to be wide open. The Secretary of State said, that's a bunch of baloney. That's a bunch of baloney. If God were to open the windows of heaven, it's not going to happen. Elisha looked him square in the eyeballs and he said this. It's going to happen and everybody's going to eat but you're not getting one bite. This very negative person wants to ignore God or in His Word. You know, when you're overwhelmed I think about that. If I'm desperate Think about this. Uh, I've seen this before. Uh, matter of fact, many of us, this happened back when I first came here in 2005. Uh, very interesting things happened here in Ashley County even in 2005. I came here in March of 2005 and in August 2005, we had Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Rita come up through our coastline. People were going everywhere. I mean, we would come to church and we're not really, we don't have time to talk about fishing or, uh, gossip or anything because we're talking about people, people coming up. We, uh, we hosted people in our church. We had, uh, some students from Rice University. We, uh, of course our, our uh, family life center is, uh, usable as a shelter. We have showers and, uh, Restroom facilities designed for that very purpose. I'll never forget. And you know, it's kind of, but we're not used to being shelter hosts. <laughs> so, man, we had a lot of people go the extra mile bringing food, bringing stuff, but I'll never forget because it, you know, we had these students from Rice University. We had two, a married couple from Russia, and we had this atheist guy from France. Now, several of us had a chance to witness to him. I know myself and one other in particular witnessed this guy, and I'll never forget. We're, you know, and it leaked up. They're staying on over. We had those others who went down to South Louisiana. They went back for Sunday services. But I'll never forget, we showed up for Sunday services. Sunday morning. People that, you know, maybe not have been in, as involved. And they're walking into Sunday school in the Family Life Center. And this Frenchman is coming out of the bathroom with nothing but a towel on. <laughs> hey, we're dressed like this, you know. He's dressed in a towel. He just got out of the shower and he was making his way around to the Sunday school room where, uh, we had set up for bedrooms. And what, where else are we gonna put them? Alright? And so we're just not used to being, a uh, host on a Sunday. But anyway, and so they, I don't, they stayed about another day and a half. And, uh, but we did, we were helping, but we were watching the news. I mean, everything we talked about was watching the news. What's happening? How bad is the damage? And that's all we see. Well, guess what? If you're going through a hurricane in your life, I want to hear what the news has to say. And you know what news they had? They had a message from God. And here's what it is. God says, I know you're desperate. Listen to me very closely. I'm still here. I still answer prayer. And I still care about what happens to you. All of that is in verse 1. I mean all of a sudden think about it. They haven't been hearing, they haven't been hearing, and then all of a sudden Elisha stands up and he says, Thus saith the Lord. Folks, when God speaks, you better pay attention. But guess what? Somebody didn't. And uh God had a solution. You know, and he did, he says, I'm gonna open up the grocery store and uh and I put in there some are not patient enough to wait, some do not believe God in his word. Some only know how to ridicule. And it's one thing to think something. It's another to openly blame, mock, or ridicule God or God's man. So basically this. Here's a good tip for you. If you're ever in a position where something just seems outlandish, be careful about blaming God, blaming His Word, or ridiculing God, or even ridiculing God's man. And I don't say that because of me. Maybe another preacher. It may be somebody that preaches the truth. But here's what happened. It's one thing to think something. I mean, I, I believe with all my heart that if that man had just thought that, he would still have lived. But when you openly ridicule God and His Word, or God's representative—we'll even put it broad spectrum like that—when you openly ridicule God, God's Word, or God's representative, that's where God drew the line and said, uh, "You're going to die." And Elisha said, oh, "Whoop! I just heard from the Lord. <laughs> uh, guess what? Guess what he just—and that's the way God did it." He spoke to Elisha, boom, in his heart, and guess what Elisha said? Uh oh, I just got a telegraph, text message from the Lord. Uh sorry, you just died by saying that. Somebody said, Well, if you're gonna think it you might as well say it. Duh no. I remember one time said uh uh David McCormick was in class and he was about 19, 20 years old. He had surrendered to preach at 17. He was going to seminary and Roy Chapman was teaching the homiletics and and uh, and he was teaching on the scripture where it says uh, if a man lusts after a woman in his heart, he has committed adultery in his heart. But notice that adultery has only happened in your heart. And David was trying to be a little smart aleck with Brother Roy and he said well, well, if I'm already guilty of the sin, I might as well commit it. And he said, listen, it's." they got into a little argument about you know, what's worse, to think something or actually say it? Or think something and actually do it? And he said, well, if I'm already guilty, but it's one thing to have a if sin in your heart is between you and God. A sin outside of your body is between you and God and everybody else. So Roy Chapman was walking along and teaching like I do and just kind of mosing around. And he got beside uh, David McCormick and he went, boom! And knocked him out of his chair. And he could do that because he's good friends with Don McCormick, the dad. And David uh, come up like, the instructor just knocked me out of my seat. Now, Roy Chapman said, Now, was it worse for me to think about hitting you or actually to hit you? And point made, you know. And so if that fellow had thought, you know, well, that sounds like a harebrained idea and that ain't never going to work. But what he did, you cannot bring ridicule against God and His Word without repercussions. That's the lesson there. And that's that's a, it was a tough one for this man. Matter of fact, now here's the next part. And I, I, we're going to do this. Now, I call it biblically-based positive thinking. Now, this is a cool part of the story, and we've not got here yet. And uh, so let's just pick it up. And uh, verse 3. I'm in 2 Kings 7, verse 3. So, and there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate of the city. And they said to one another, Why sit ye here till we die? If we say we'll enter in the city, there's famine in the city, and we'll die there. If we sit here, we're going to die. And if we go to the Assyrians, we're going to die. If they kill us. And they said, well, let's... and they rose up at the twilight. In other words, right when it started getting daylight. I want to just stop there and basically say this about this story. And that is this. Okay, now think about this. Now, number one, why are the lepers where they're at? Well, lepers lived outside the city. And the Syrians didn't really want to mess with them because they're lepers. And they didn't give them any count. Basically, just y'all stay over there in your little leper colony, shack, tent, and we will leave you alone. The lepers are sitting there. Guess they're starving too. Nobody's throwing out breadcrumbs anymore. And so you know what they say? Well, we're dying. And, uh, we're gonna, if we go in the city, the famine's there too. Everybody else is starving to death. And there, the enemy, the Syrians, let's go there, ask them for some help. And if they kill us, we're dead anyway. But that's what I call positive thinking. Now, I noticed on the refrigerator in our house, was a letter from Miss Tracy Streeter, uh, the principal of Noble Elementary, which Noble, all Britain now covers from K through pre-K or whatever through uh, fifth grade. And it was, uh, and I saw her do this last time. It was called uh, John Acuff, the writer, wrote a book called The Energy Bus. And if y'all remember, Promised Land was one of the stops that made the newspaper for the Energy Bus. Just trying to create excitement in the community concerning involvement with our school system. Well, John A. Cuff, the writer of The Energy Bus, also wrote a book that I think, if I understood the letter correctly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that all teachers are workers. And, and that's a bunch of workers when you go from pre-K to fifth grade. I don't, John may even be required to read it. I don't know, but anyway. So, you think about all these workers. Some are like, oh, got to read another book. My 11-year-old daughter reads a book and writes book reports for me. I mean, sure. Come on, read a book. All right, read a chapter, anything. And uh, but this is a great book. It's called the No Complaining Rule, and I put it in there for you if you want to get on Amazon or wherever and get you a copy. Here's the premise of the of the book. Number one, if it's okay to state a problem, there's a difference between complaining and stating a problem. It, but if you're going to complain, always have a solution to go with it. It's kind of like, well, preacher. This is, uh, That's happened before and I understood every word of it. And uh, but what I do? I don't know. But something's gonna be done. Okay. We'll figure out a solution. But these lepers, this is great. We're all gonna die. But let's try something. Let's do something. And so guess what? They do. And that's a great thing. What if you don't have any idea what to do? Well, try to do something instead of griping and complaining. They could have just said, You know what? Let's just sit here and bellyache and moan and groan till we die. But they didn't do that. Guess what they did? They got up and tried. They tried to do something. If we go there, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go to Syrians, we're going to die. But let's try something. Here's the cool thing. God turned on His eight-track tape player. He did. He made a sound come up that sounded like a bunch of army people. And the Syrians said, oh, 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 in the middle of the night. Boom! They lit out of there like their backside was on fire which did you know tail lights are in the Bible? When Samson lit those foxes tails on fire, that was the first tail lights in the Bible. And uh so and they ran through the Philistines' cornfields and set them all on fire. But guess what? And so the the four lepers get into the tent. and It is like walking into Walmart Supercenter. There was stuff everywhere and guess what? It's free. So they go back and they start hum, hum. They're eating. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's a pocket of gold. Oh, there's a great pocket knife. Oh, stick a pocket knife in. Oh, there's a cool backpack. And they got the backpack. And then they thought, wait a second. We're going to get in trouble. I'd rather be a a hero than a heel any day. Let's go tell everybody. So they went inside Samaria and they told everybody. And they said, well, it might be a trap. They sent out a, they sent out a bunch of, a couple of people and they said, it's not a trap. Walmart just opened for business and it's all free. And the king says to the secretary of state, remember him, would you hold the door open to the city so that everybody can go out there and get the food and bring it back? And he's thinking, man. He holds it open and the people are in such a rush that they trample him and he dies. So guess what? God's Word came to pass. The city was saved. If You read the story. <clears throat> and, uh, Verse 17, the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, and the people stomped on him till he died. King James says, trod, I say, stomped on him till he died. And, uh, matter of fact, that it says, and it came to pass. According to the Word of the Lord. And that ends the chapter. Folks, what does this tell me? And how? what is the one word I want you to remember when you leave here? Overwhelmed. Can you remember that? If I'm overwhelmed. If I'm overwhelmed, does God hear? Yes. If I'm overwhelmed, will it seem like my prayers might go unanswered? Yes. If I'm overwhelmed, is it easy to be impatient, sarcastic, griping and complaining and biting my spouse's head off? I know none of y'all have ever done that to your spouse. But guess what? It's easy when you're overwhelmed to do things you should not do. To say things you should not say. And even some of us in here would be hard to blame God, to gripe at God, or to just not even care. Matter of fact, I've seen people have tough times in their life and they say, I don't feel like coming to church. When you don't feel like coming to church is probably when you really need to. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so guess what? He's still there. He still loves you. He still hears. He still wants to help. And the be- worst thing we can do is turn on each other. The worst thing we can do is to ridicule God. It doesn't work. He's there. He's ready. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation. Whatever God may want you to do in your life, it's I see this story, and my goodness, it was it was, to me as I read this. I, I I've read this probably this week at least twelve times. Read this whole story. Read this whole story. I couldn't imagine being that desperate. I've never been in that situation though. I've never starved to death. I've I've never been besieged by an enemy army. But did y'all know that millions have? Millions have starved to death. Millions have been defeated by armies. May we never be so desperate that we stop being the Christians that God wants us to be, that He longs for us to be.